0: We'll <laughs> be
1: Alright folks, welcome back to another episode of Triple G, Ginger's Gridiron and Golf Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Kerr, a.k.a. The Ginger, and we are back tonight, recording here Tuesday, March the 8th, and wow, my head is spinning. We were going to start this podcast off uh, this week with uh, with some golf talk with Steph, uh, Stephen Seedorf, uh, who will join us a little bit uh, later on after break. But uh, we're gonna kick it right in uh, shortly. Here we've got Bobby Thompson on uh, NFL journalist covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Bucks Report and uh, the New England Patriots at uh, Fan Sided and Rambling Fan. But uh, we had to jump all of what happened today uh, in the NFL up to uh, front row center, no doubt for sure. Uh, Aaron Rodgers getting signed in the blockbuster deal, and Russell Wilson and uh and much much more in terms of franchise tags. But folks, um got some big guests coming up as well. Next week it sounds like we have landed Derek Ingram. He's reached out to us uh promises to uh that he's going to join us. That's Canadian men's uh, golf national coach. So he's going to come on talk a little bit of tour life and uh what he's doing out there and some of the recent announcements with uh with Golf Canada in terms of their commitment to uh the professional tour. So super excited about that. Make sure you're following us along on all of our outlets on social media and YouTube. we got our YouTube channel, so uh, make sure you subscribe to that. we got some videos coming up. This podcast will eventually flip over uh, to video as well so you'll be able to watch it um, and all of our guests that we have on as well. So at Ginger Triple G, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We've got an upcoming contest later on coming up in the month. Uh, For March Madness and more. So some, uh, some real fun stuff to come here on Ginger Triple G. But let's get into it tonight. Let's bring on our chat. We're talking free agency preview. We're talking franchise tags and everything that happened today with Bobby Thompson. Let's bring him in. All right, Triple G listeners, let's give a warm welcome to NFL journalist for a Bucks reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and for the New England Patriots at Fan Sided and the Rambling Fan, Bobby Thompson. Bobby, welcome to the show.
0: What's going on, man? Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. I know uh, when we when we talked uh, early uh, late last week, there uh, you know you were you were pretty generous with your time and probably didn't think it would be as crazy as, as a day as it was, but. Uh, have you seen a day like that in, in your time uh, covering the NFL? That
0: was absolutely wild. I, I'll i tell you this. Some of the moves that were made today I was not expecting. Um, but, you know, it's it's that's what happens. You never know what's going to happen in the NFL offseason. So that's what you do this for. It's a lot of fun. I find this fun. I love seeing – I love hearing new things. I love hearing, like, blockbuster trades like we saw today, and we'll get into it. So it, it's, you know – it's what makes it fun. I, to me, you know, I, I don't consider this work. I consider it fun. So today was a, you know what, it was a lot of work to do. But like I said, next week's going to even be busier than that. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Um, let's start off
1: with kind of where the day started around 1130 as we record here on uh, on Tuesday, uh, March the 8th. And it started out with, with news from Aaron Rodgers and, and the Green Bay Packers and, and the $200 million contract and the highest paid player in the NFL but where I want to get to is, is Bobby, where does that leave the Green Bay Packers? You know, they get the tag from from um, Devontae Adams, which we'll, we'll get into in a little bit here. But, you know, we're still looking at $45 million over the cap, and they got to be cap compliant by next week. You know, what were your thoughts on the deal, and where do you think that leaves them moving forward?
0: Well, first off, Aaron Rodgers did – announced that he is coming back. He He's going to go back to the Packers. It's it's crazy how a year ago we were talking about this would be the last year Aaron Rodgers would play for the Green Bay Packers because of his um, distaste for the general manager and the ownership of the – well, the public ownership of the Green Bay Packers. And they really cleared that up and did a fantastic job making him happy. Um, and he's staying put, as he should. So – he, he disputed that he signed that contract. It was reported, but he disputed it himself. So as a reporter standpoint, you know, you have to take that now because he reported it. He's the one who that's a contract he signed. He did not sign anything yet, I'm sure. That's what the deal he will sign, but he didn't officially sign it yet. However, this deal lowers his cap hit. Like this $200 million deal is – I don't understand how it is, but it's very team-friendly. And they're going to still make a lot of moves. It was inevitable Devontae Adams was going to be franchise-tagged. You know what? If Rodgers is staying, Devontae Adams wants to stay with Rodgers, rightful is so. However, um, Aaron Rodgers will be the highest-paid quarterback in football, as he should. And he's staying put. And now the Packers, they're fine. Now, all I'll say is this. To me... I think the Packers look foolish. Two years ago, they wasted draft capital trading up for Jordan Love. That was Aaron Rodgers' successor, and now you just extended Rodgers for four years. And it, it, to me, it looks really, really weird. But the Packers organization, yes, they're still um, over the cap. They really need to make some moves. Keep an eye on Zadarius Smith, the defensive, uh, the edge rusher, because I believe that they're going to probably cut him loose within the next couple days they're gonna to try to make a lot of moves get under the cap now um pulling up here I always look on spot track because they always have all the um cap specialties and everything on the website yep so right now the Green Bay Packers they right now they say the Packers have the most money over the cap at 49 million they even beat the Saints the Saints are a different story but right now, you know, Aaron Rodgers has a $46 million cap hit. Apparently, this lowers it. Uh, and then Zadari Smith has $27 million, So they're going to, and I can tell you this, uh, as I just alluded to, that they're going to probably cut him loose is because he's going to, they have an out. Well, they had an out. Well, they do. Yeah, that's right. They have an out this year. Um, so they could get rid of him. And I can tell you this right now it will take some dead cap of 12.3 million, but they'll gain 15 million in cap space. So you got to take with what you get. Um, 15 million in cap space right now. They have, uh, around $49 million over. They're going to be, um, right you know, with 35. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 35 million over. And then looking at theirs, you know, uh, Preston Smith is a guy they might want to try to re- uh, restructure. Um, Looking at their roster, I mean, David Bakhtiari has a $14.5 million cap hit this year, but I think you want to keep him happy and keep him there. You also want to get offensive linemen for Aaron Rodgers so he's not under duress. But also, this team wants to make a, work out a long-term extension for cornerback Jair Alexander. They have a lot of things they want to do, but they're going to have to find a way to do it, and trimming the fat with Zadarius Smith and maybe Preston Smith are probably going to be the moves to make.
1: Yeah, and and that makes you know what you're probably bang on there too, with especially with the draft coming in that's that's heavy on D line and and said to be deep at that D line depth spot. So you know you get rid of two of those uh, defensive linemen up front, those pass rushers, say get yourself cap, cap compliant and and hopefully add with uh, you know back into that pool with with some draft work as well, right? So
0: yeah, no, they, they, the one thing the Packers are going to have to do is they're going to really have to. Um, in this draft, they're gonna really have to, in my opinion, they need. I think offensive line makes a lot of sense. And you want to know something too? I truly think that to make Aaron Rodgers happy, they still haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round to get him more help. Get him more help for Devontae Adams too. Get him get some more help. I think that's something to keep an eye on in the draft.
1: Yeah, I I, I can't disagree with you at all, there, Bobby. Then we then we come around. Uh, you know, we we you know we hear the A Rod news. Sounds like uh, you know Devonte's going to be tagged and, and some others that we'll get into, but then all of a sudden the blockbuster deal hits uh, for Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. We heard over the weekend that you know he was going to be staying put in in uh, Seattle, but to me, Bobby, that all that showed was that Russell Wilson just flat
0: out didn't want to go to the Washington
1: Commanders. Would you agree with that?
0: I I think you know what. Here's the thing: Russell Wilson getting traded was inevitable. Uh, he was not happy there. It was, uh, our, it was obvious last year he wasn't happy, and it was mutually it was a mutual agreement to part ways. And remember, um, Russell Wilson had to waive his no trade clause. I think Washington he did say he was interested, but listen, going to a team like the Broncos, I think you could look at the offense of the uh, Broncos, um, and the Commanders. Crazy to keep saying the commanders. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, when you look at that, the Broncos have a very good offense. Very, very good. Very good quarterback. Uh, you know, happy. Though I know that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but yeah, it, it's very. If you're a quarterback, you're happy to go in this. Jerry yeah. Judy, yep. Cortland Sutton, uh, Tim Patrick. They still got Hamler, right? Hamler. Yep. They just traded away Noah Fant in that deal. I don't understand why they traded him away. I think that was foolish. But uh, they're going to use the other guy, Albert, however you pronounce his last name. Uh, That's right. But the thing is, if I'm Russell Wilson right now, I'm the happiest person in the world. The Broncos are going to set it. I tweeted this this morning. The Bronco, Here's the thing. The Broncos were always going quarterback. They were going fishing. The Denver Broncos went into their boat went deep-sea fishing, and wanted to catch the biggest marlin in the ocean. When they couldn't get the biggest marlin out there, which was Aaron Rodgers, because he got reeled in by the Packers, they had a plan B. They had their second fishing pole in the the ocean of quarterbacks, as a metaphorically speaking, and reeled in arguably a quarterback that not only is one of the best in football – but he's the most du- dual threat is that he brings a different dynamic to this offense and the running game is great. The wide receivers are tremendous. That tight end Albert is all right. And an underrated defense. Yep. He, he is going to, I'm telling you, he's very happy. This, this, this couldn't have been more perfect for me. I think he should, uh, perf. Oh, uh, I think if he went to the Buccaneers, I think that's, he would have been happy with those weapons, especially after, uh, what transpired today, but he's going to Denver, and I'm just going to tell you this: Denver is going to be very good this year. Yeah, and you know
1: what? You know, I've heard different things on you know what. Oh, Denver overpaid, and and this and that. Well, I, there- I don't
0: think I don't think they. I think that, you know what to get Russell Wilson. It's, it comes at a price, and that's right. They gave up two first-round picks. Okay, two seconds. All right, and a fifth, and a bunch of players. Now, the players they gave up. I mean. Drew Locke, he was never good. They were upset. They made a mistake drafting Drew Locke. Now he's Seattle's problem. Shelby Harris goes over there. That fills the need for Seattle on the defensive line. That's and then right. a tight end because they they haven't had a good tight end since uh, Jimmy Graham was there. Greg Olson was there for one year in 2020. Didn't really do much. But uh, now, they have a legitimate tight end over there. And you know what? They, I'll tell you this. I When I look at the price, it's a lot but it's warranted. Imagine what a trade for Aaron Rodgers would have been. I think it would have been a lot more than what we saw today.
1: Yeah. And you look at the trade for Stafford, Stafford was, was two first and a third and, and golf. So really when you, when you start to break it down, okay, it's a little bit overpayment, but it's, it's like you said, you're out in the ocean, you're deep sea, you're deep, uh, deep fish, uh, deep sea fishing. And sometimes you, you catch it and you just gotta, you gotta go with it. Right. And I think to me, the way I looked at that 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 Denver trade was, you were you realized this year, especially this year specifically, that you weren't going to win in that division without going to get a quarterback. Right. So, if what are you going to do? Sit there for the next five, ten years behind Mahomes, behind Herbert. You, you can even throw Carr in there. He's not as elite as the first two, but he's still a solid quarterback. And you're going to lose for the next ten years dra- trying to draft and build around subpar quarterbacks. Or do you go ahead and and try to go get your franchise quarterback? I know Russell Wilson's 34 years old, but he's still got at least another five, six years. And at least you give yourself a fighter's shot.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And look at the AFC West right now. You got Patrick Mahomes, uh, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, and now Russell Wilson. That's the best quarterback uh, division in football. Yep. That I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. The, watching whoever wins this division, I still think it's the Chiefs. I'm just going to tell you this: every team in this division is going to be very good. Nobody's going to be uh, a terrible team this year. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Um,
0: one to get one to switch subjects over to uh, yesterday's
1: mm-hmm. news and, and get a quick thought because it's it it sure. didn't digest well with with me and and okay. I, I just wanted to run it by you, Calvin Ridley and this suspension uh-huh. for the for the gambling thing. I I look at that and I, I see one year and I, and then I look at. Steven Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, I just don't understand how the NFL cannot take this team away from this guy. If it comes out that that he—and I know it's you know uh, innocent until proven guilty—but if it does come out that he is guilty for you know paying paying his coaches or paying Brian Flores to or offering to pay Brian Flores to throw these games and lose football games how can he have a franchise when you just suspended Calvin Ridley for putting down a $1,500 parlay?
0: Well, the, the accusations against Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross are, are severe. Um, I'm going to tell you this. I've said this a thousand times. I'm a big Brian Flores guy. I always have been. I'm a diehard Patriots fan and he's a very good coach. And I'm going to, I believe what he's saying. He's not, he wouldn't put his career on the line to lie. And I agree. I think Stephen Ross is a is a disgrace. I think that you're paying somebody to lose games so you could get better draft picks. That's just I, I'm not a fan of tanking unless you're really that bad. If you're in the season and it's week 14 and you want to get better draft, go ahead. I get it. You're playing basically three quarters of the season, not in the beginning of the year. That's the way I see it. And the Dolphins own that uh, the team from him for sure. I agree 100 percent. In terms of Calvin Ridley, I'm just going to sum it up in one word: stupidity. Uh, I get it. He all he did was place a bet. He wasn't even on the team. If he was on the team, I, I understand. That's terrible. That you're you're on the team. That's that's something in the Pete Rose. Type. Now, I'm in terms of baseball, I'm a big Pete Rose guy, and I think he got screwed in a way. But anyway, um, in terms of this, he was he took a leave of absence from the team. He was not, you know. Uh, throwing games like he, what he was betting had no recollection on on the outcome. He just wanted to make some bets. Do I think it's foolish? Yeah, it is. You just he, now look at it this way, my man. He he placed a three to five to eighteen parlay right for fifteen hundred dollars. Yep. That fifteen hundred dollars cost him eleven point one million this year. <laughs> yeah.
1: If that, that first
0: of all, I would uh, if. I was due the next year $11.1 million. I don't care how much I love to place bets on sports, which I do. I'm not doing anything. That's $11.1 million. And the thing is, I will say this. Um, he was very, very careless. Um, and you, if you saw his tweets yesterday, he did not care. He, he was just like, oh, I'm just going to take the year off. That just gives him a bad look. And everything and him tweeting wasn't very good. But I do think that he should you want to suspend him for the full year? I think that's ridiculous. I think maybe four games. I'll tell you this. Four games, I, I'll fine. Four games is fine. I, I think that would have been warranted. But a full season, I think that's a bit harsh. But you know it's the NFL. Um but I, I just think it's something that was avoidable, and I think it was just stupidity on Calvin Ridley's part. Yeah. And not to mention. Teams were going to trade for him, including the Patriots. Including the Patriots, that's right. And yeah. and I'll tell you this: teams called up the Falcons in February when they did when the NFL told the team that they were uh, conducting an investigation, and they didn't do this out of because they knew that what was going to happen. He would have been traded a long time ago. Now you under now we all understand. Remember, Arthur Blank said he wanted uh, Calvin Ridley back in February. Yep. Now, now it makes sense. He was basically he knew what was going on. I he okay. and I'll tell you this: Calvin Ridley will not be on the Atlanta Falcons next year. I can tell you that he will yeah. not be there.
1: I told couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more, Bobby.
0: Flipping it's, over to uh to the franchise tags,
1: mm-hmm. um, interesting interesting selections by some teams. Couple couple surprises. Couple uh, yeah, i if you will, but. Um, let's start with, uh, you mentioned it off air to me, the tight end market uh-huh. to me. I, I am absolutely shocked that, that we've got, you know, out of the, uh, let's see here, three out of the eight tags that I saw today, three of them were tight ends in Dalton Schultz, David Njoku, obviously yesterday. And then Mike Gusecki, uh, mm-hmm. were you surprised that, that, uh, you know, three teams were willing to, to put that uh, tag on
0: a, on tight ends? Yeah. Uh, I think David Njoku, I don't know why they franchise tagged him. I, I'll be honest. Uh, he has, in my opinion, I don't think he's done anything to warrant that much money. Uh, I know he's very versatile. He's fast. He could do a lot of things for you. But the production is not there for me. They had, they're they paying Austin Hooper a lot of money, like uh, over $10 million a year. Remember when they signed him a few yep. years ago in free agency? Um, that was eye-opening to me. Uh Dalton Schultz, I'll tell you this, that was inevitable. Cowboys love him. He came on uh, last year and really was a tremendous weapon for Dak Prescott, especially in the red zone. They did not want to lose him, especially since they're going to get rid of Amari Cooper, which is a topic as well. Um, But Mike Gesicki, I'm not surprised. There were talks. I talked to somebody. I have a a, a friend who works for the Dolphins, and he told me to watch out for Gasicki staying, and, and if they can't work something out, they'll tag him, and look what happened. Um, but the tight end market, you know what? Mike Gasicki, the Dolphins love him. They didn't want to let him go. He stays put. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Dalton Schultz, uh, he, his market was going to be robust in free agency if he wasn't tagged. I can tell you that. Uh, the Jets were going to throw him a lot of money. I could tell you that. Um, now they obviously cannot. But um, David Njoku, stay. I, I, to to me, I'm still gonna sit here for the next few years and say why in 2022 did the Browns place the franchise tag on David Njoku?
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's one for sure. That was a big big time question mark. I agree there. And um, Charles Godwin for the for the Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. Sorry, I get Charles. Chris Godwin. My my mistake there. Um, Chris Godwin surprised that the bucks were able to go ahead and do that because they're in that same type, not, not as bad as, as, um, the Packers are, but they're in some, they're in a tight cap situation over, over the cap. I believe almost 20 million now. Um, no,
0: I actually believe it or not. They have 2 million in cap space right now. Oh, do right? They. Uh, yeah. As of right now, it's I have it on here. It says they have 2 million, but yeah, they have a lot of free agents. They, I could tell you this, the bucks for the past month and a half, they've been contemplating on what to do place the franchise tag on Chris Godwin or cornerback Carlton Davis. I think, honestly, I'm sitting, when I hear that, I'm sitting here thinking like, really? They're really contemplating on that? That's an easy uh, answer to that question. But Chris Godwin, they never wanted to let go. Mm -hmm. They didn't want him to hit the open market because somebody was going to pay him tremendously, as rightfully so. Uh, They love him down here in Tampa. I live in Tampa. Uh, He is arguably... He's a leader in the locker room. He's arguably one of the nicest guys on the team. He's a team guy; they love him. Mike Mike Evans is pulling wanted him back. Of course, he's going to come back, and they they're working diligently to get a deal done. They didn't get it done in time for the deadline, and that's okay. the The franchise tag is just a placeholder. That's it. Yeah, you have. They're going to get. They're, oh, they're going to. Yeah, they're going to yeah, have a deal done. No, I wouldn't yep. wouldn't be surprised if they get a deal done tomorrow. I'm, a, I'm just going to tell you, they weren't They weren't close enough to get it done today, but I do think they'll find a way to make him happy. And if they can't come to an agreement within a week, they have him for the franchise tag, and then next year i will see what happens. But in 2022, Chris Godwin will be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I will tell you, I never thought he was going to leave. I think he was going to stay. He, he will finish out his career here in Tampa Bay as he should. Yeah.
1: Um, One that I was surprised with later on in the day was Cam Robinson left tackle out of Jacksonville. To me, does that tell you that Jacksonville is going to go ahead and and look to add more pieces on that D-line with with, uh, that first overall pick?
0: You mean the offensive
1: line? Well, Cam Robinson, you know, they they franchise. Oh, do you think that –
0: do I think that – do uh, I think they're going to address defensive line? Yes, in the draft. Now that they've tagged Cam. I, they, Robinson. Well, well, literally, that you know what they are going to set the tone for the draft. They could pick anybody they want at number one. To me, they have Cam Robinson, but you could also uh, move him around. And Evan Neal, for me, makes a lot of sense. the The goal in this is to protect the franchise. Who's the franchise? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. He's he's young. He came on big at the end of the year last year. Protect him protect him, build a huge wall. So he stays untouched and then go out and get him weapons. That is the goal in this, in this draft, but also for uh head coach, Doug Marone, he's going to want to build that defensive up as well. Oh, your defense as well. You're right. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson from uh, Michigan makes Michigan, a lot of yep. sense. I don't think cave on Thibodeau goes number one at all. Uh, he, he's re- you know what his, first impression on scouts and GMs at the combine wasn't as positive as people would thought. Um, but I could tell you this, I think it's if it's not an offensive lineman, it's gonna be Aiden Hutchinson. That's what I think. Yeah,
1: I, I agree there. And you and you're right on Thibodeau. I know he was telling people, Hey, I'm I'm gonna work out and then it came time
0: to Yeah. Go ahead and do it, it, it. He's being portrayed as a very selfish player and that's not what you want before the a month before the draft
1: moving on to your patriots um surprised at all jc jackson i know you know as it was moving closer and closer to the to the deadline it kind of really came out that you know he wasn't going to get the tag but were you surprised at all that that uh they didn't go ahead and tag him and uh harold landry from the tennessee titans uh, another to me possible one that could have been tagged but was not tagged
0: well tennessee couldn't tag him they're they're nearly $7 million over in cap. Over, They're going to yeah. have to figure... Harold Landry's going to get paid somewhere. He's a very, very good player. In terms of the Patriots, as a fan, as a diehard fan as I am, I'm very disappointed. I loved J.C. Jackson, and the Patriots chose J.C. Jackson over Stefan Gilmore, which now looks moot because he's going he's to go elsewhere. Um, But, listen, there's an old saying, if Bill Belichick doesn't resign you after you play for him, there's something's probably wrong. Uh, I could tell you J.C. Jackson has been nothing short of spectacular for the Patriots, undrafted free agent out of Maryland. He's really turned himself into one of the best ball-hawking corners, and not only not only that, but one of the best cover corners we've ever seen in football, and especially in Patriots history. Um, he's going to get paid. He wants 20 mil a year. Somebody is going to give it to him. Now it won't be the Patriots. He, From what I'm understanding and talking around is he priced himself out of the New England. Now the Patriots need to rebuild their secondary which is going to be easier said than done, uh, but I do think the Patriots will try to lurk in the weeds and try to bring him back somehow. They're going to give him the Dante Hightower treatment. Back in 2017, after the Patriots won the Super Bowl against the Falcons, 28 to three Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, Dante Hightower had the huge. He was the huge free agent. Um, they didn't franchise him. They let him test the open market. And what the Patriots do is they let you test the open market, go to get some offers, and then he they come back to Bill Belichick with what he was offered and he tries to give them something similar or match the offer. Well, this instance, Patriots will not be touching what he's looking for. I think the Patriots will try to look in the, maybe I'm going to say 16, 17 mil a year. He wants more than that. Patriots offered him an extension in the, during the season, he declined because he knew he would get paid rightfully. So to me, I'm just going to tell you this today, Jordan Schultz, uh, just uh, reported before that four teams are showing heavy interest and those teams are the Bengals, the Chargers, the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. I don't understand why the Dolphins want them. They have, they're paying two corners already top dollar. That makes no sense to me. Uh, but that's another Stephen Ross and Chris Greer move. That's just going to come back to bite them in the bind. So uh, I think in my opinion, I'll tell you this. I think he ends up with the Raiders it, to me. I think it's between the Raiders and Bengals. That's what I think. I think the Bengals are really – the Bengals this year have um, the f- sixth most cap space with $35 million a year. After today, they franchise tagged Jesse, Jesse Bates. Bates. Yep. But also, the Chargers have the most money in free agency. It's $57.5 million. So, the Chargers are going to want to upgrade in secondary, and that would be a huge upgrade for them on defense too. So – it's going to be interesting to see where he goes, and I, as a fan, I hate it because Mister Interception, we love him; he was great. So, I'm going to have to see what happens.
1: Yeah, and I agree that the Dolphins thing with, with Byron Jones and and Xavier Howard makes you know they're the two highest players on that team in terms of of cap hit, and then you're going to bring in J.C. Jackson. I totally agree. I just don't see uh, why you. Would I to I I, that I think
0: that I think that's just being reported by his agent, yep. to try to get his price up, and and it, it's a. Common move by an agent. Uh, to me, like I told you, I think the Raiders are lurking in the weeds to try to bring them in, especially with the familiarity with Josh McDaniels.
1: Yeah. So, so let's skip ahead here. We're going to take a quick look here at at the free agent market and and uh, specifically on the offensive side of the ball um, mm-hmm. at some of these skill positions. Um, we'll start with the quarterback. You know, not a great no free agent class at at all to be honest but is there anybody out there is there you know a mitch trubisky um Mm -hmm. um a Jameis winston is there anybody out there that you think's gonna get paid out of those you know top four five six guys even a marcus mariota maybe too
0: it's i feel like you're reading my mind because i was literally going to say all that but uh I, I think, you know, looking at this free agent market, it's really, really bad for quarterbacks. Yeah. I think, uh, first off, I think that Mitch Trubisky's the hottest commodity, and I tweeted before, it's pro- he's probably going to go to the Giants. Yeah, I saw and that. He's, uh, and he's going to compete for the starting job, and hell, he might even get it at one point. Uh, Jameis Winston, uh, I think, goes back to New Orleans, in my opinion. Uh, I think Marcus Mariota would be huge. I know the Raiders are going to try to bring him back. But other than that looking at this this is it's disgusting. there's nothing there's nobody else on here I would even uh, entertain even bringing on uh, maybe yeah I I'll tell it's very weak Tyrod Taylor there's cam Newton too so you, or Andy Dalton's a free agent too but he's up there at 34 years old so yeah. you know it, it's really a poor poor quarterback free agent draft uh, free agent class. Yeah, and I can
1: see somebody going up to Seattle to compete, maybe with Drew Lock up there. Now that hey, I think Marcus Mariota
0: would be huge in Seattle. Yeah, that's
1: definitely an option. I think I know they've got to eat a fair amount of dead cap with with this trade that they did today, but uh-huh. they've still they've still got some room up there to, uh, to make some moves. Yep, absolutely. Um, at the running back position, I know you're in, you're uh, you said you're in Tampa there. Uh, what about Leonard Fournette, um, Melvin Gordon? Talk to us about maybe a couple of the options
0: at running back. Cordero Patterson is one there to keep you an eye yep. on. Cordero Patterson, he's gonna go back to Atlanta. He loves it there. They love the fan it's just too perfect. Now I did write an article a few weeks ago, um, and I did my free agent predictions for um the top fifty free agents and yep. where they would end up. So I could tell you right now if if uh where I have Leonard Fourn- Leonard Fournette Uh, I think he makes a lot of sense for the Miami dolphins. Uh, I think he wants to stay in Florida. You you started in Jacksonville, you go to Tampa and then you go all the way down to Miami. I think he makes perfect sense for them. They're missing a running back. Um, in terms of Melvin Gordon, how about this? How about the, how about this? How about Buccaneers? Ah, there you go. Melvin Gordon for the bucks. I think he makes a lot of sense, but Denver will try to bring him back as well. Um, Looking at this, the free agent uh, running back, you know, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, I don't think anybody's going to really make a big run at David Johnson. He's not what he used to be. Uh, I think on here, Ronald Jones from Tampa might be a, a dark horse for some teams. Um, I will tell you this, in my opinion, um, looking at this, uh, you, you know, James White's a free agent. I think he goes back to New England on literally a cheap deal. But Raheem Mostert is a free agent. It's really I'll be honest with you, it's a really weak running back class as well. Yep. I agree. I agree. And
1: then to the to the wide receiver market, it, it, it dried up quite quickly with
0: Yeah, those... as yeah, as I alluded to you uh before. Yeah, now that they're franchise, you know, looking at this list, you know, Devontae Adams is off, Chris Godwin is off the list. Mike Williams so, gets the deal done Mike uh... Mike yeah, that's another one. Mike Williams gets a deal done. So When you look at this, you know, Allen Robinson, who's only 28 years old, I might add, uh, is out there. And he's going to want to prove that, you know, the past two years in in Chicago were a fluke and he could still be a top player. But, you know, guys like Will Fuller, who was nothing in Miami, he's going to try to prove himself. T.Y. Hilton's a free agent. To me, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy to watch out for. Yep. I'm a really big Juju guy. And the guy's only 20, he just turned 25 years old. He's still very young. You could get a young player. I know he's not a true number one, but he could make some noise on some teams. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent, but he's going to be 35. A.J. Green is a free agent. Keelan Cole, Sammy Watkins. I mean, other than that, uh, a dark horse wide receiver. You want me? I'll tell you this. Rashad Higgins from the Browns is a free agent. That's one to me. How about this Christian Kirk? Yeah. A lot of teams are going to throw big money at him. He's going to have a robust market. Odell Beckham's going back to uh, the Rams. It was already reported. He's going to go back there so that we all knew that. Um, looking at this right here, DJ Chark is going to get a lot of money somewhere. A lot of teams like him, especially the Kansas City Chiefs. So keep an eye on that. But other than that, also Michael Gallup. The, here's the thing. The, I was the Cowboys, just going to bring it up. Cowboys are going to want him back really bad. They're trying to get a deal done. They don't want him to hit the open market. So that
1: they cleared uh, reported today. They I don't know by uh, on NFL.com that mm-hmm. they cleared about twenty-two million dollars in restructuring with uh, with Dak Prescott and uh, Zach Martin. Do you get the read that that's just to be able to get this long-term deal done with Gallup, or do you think there's a potential that they do keep Amari or is, is I, I think good it's gone.
0: I think Amari's good is gone, and I think he wants to be gone as well. Okay. I think Amari Cooper. Look, Amari Cooper's been frustrated. This guy is uh, when he's healthy. You, he's one of the best in football. Agreed. And the Cowboys listen. They paid him a lot of money, man. They gave him twenty. His cap hit is twenty-two million dollars. Five years, a hundred million dollar deal. He signed. Um, now here's the thing. You want to know why they have a potential out. That's why they're doing this. They have an out this year. That's why they're doing it. And it's only a six million dollar dead cap hit. Yeah. They could they could release him, and say and get sixteen million in cap space. This way this move makes all but sense. And don't be surprised within the next couple of days it happens. That's what it, it makes too much sense. It, they're going to save so much money. Six million dollars in dead cap. You get sixteen million. They're they're. Uh, $8 million in the hole, so they'll they'll have $8 million after this deal. It, it, this deal, this should have happened already. Amari Cooper's going to be playing elsewhere, and let's be honest here. Uh, Cedric Wilson coming alive and drafting CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup playing well all but signals one guy is out, and that's Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper's not even old. He's only 28 years old, Yeah, so... I'm telling you this, whoever's going to get Amari Cooper, which in my opinion, it's the Patriots, by the way, I'm not right. trying to be a homer. They're very interested. I think that gets done. Uh, and the and the move makes too much sense. And, and of course, he went to uh, Alabama. So Belichick loves that. So um, I truly think this move was made to try to keep Gallup, but also get uh, more cap space.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And the tight end market, you you've already alluded to it dried up pretty quickly. Obviously, again with the CJ of three three tags, but
0: who somebody you like there? Oh, of course. oh, there's a tight end I really like in free agency. Actually, uh, Bengals tight end CJ Uzama. Yeah, I like him a lot. I think he's very good. By the way, I think he goes to the Jets. Um, I think the Jets really need to fill that void in tight end. They haven't had one since Dustin Keller, and I think they really fill that role with him. I think it makes perfect sense. Zach Ertz is still out there. Yep. Rob Gronkowski. Is he Gronk coming back to there. Buffalo? Uh, I'm here. You know, a lot of people keep talking about that. I don't know, but I, I I say, I think he either stays in Tampa or either stuns them and goes to uh uh Cincinnati because he talked about playing with Joe Burrow, but we'll see. Um, And retirement's still on the table. So know who's a sleeper, tight end, free agent for me. Robert Tanyan. Uh, I Bay. love Robert Tanyan. He tore his ACL. Look at what he did in uh, Green Bay. How good he was, especially in the red zone. He's yep. really good. Jared Cook is is going to be 35, but we seen he could still play at a high level. Uh, Zach, I think Zach Ertz is going to get paid somewhere. Somebody's going to pay him.
1: Yeah. Uh, my sleeper. Uh, my sleeper Ty Conklin. I know he's not a he's not a tight m one, but he's a good depth piece on a on a real good team.
0: Uh, you know what, man? That That's a very, very good point. Ty Conklin, That you know what? He's a free agent. Some teams might want to pick him up. Uh, some teams, well, Evan Ingram's a free agent from yep. the Giants, but teams are going to approach him about playing slot receivers. So uh, we'll see what happens to that. He's only 27 years old. Um, but this tight end market, you know what? They got some sleeper guys. Max Williams from Arizona is a free agent. Yep, so, coming off
1: an of injury. Mo Yep, out of Indy for sure.
0: OJ Howard, uh, Eric Ebron's a free agent. Uh, but to me, CJ Uzuma is going to be a guy to watch out for.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Bobby, that was absolutely amazing. What, uh, what great breakdown of, of the free agent market, the franchise tags, the trades and, and signings today. That was, uh, just amazing. Thank you so much for coming on before you go let our listeners know where we can find you and all your, all the work you're doing.
0: So where you could find me is I write for Bucks Report. Uh, you can find me on there. I am actually starting my uh own website and blog within the next couple of days. Perfect. So I'll you'll be catching me a lot with that. And I'm gonna be very you I'm gonna be reporting the new the next couple of weeks are gonna be very busy for me personally with uh free agency and you'll you'll be seeing me, you know. Everybody, turn on the notifications for my Twitter. I'll have stuff up for you right away, and uh, that's where you can find me.
1: Beautiful. And what's uh, where's the Twitter? What's the Twitter tag?
0: So my Twitter tag is at btomps 81
1: Beautiful, listeners, go check him out. He's always up to date, given the the proper credits to uh, to who's reporting it, given his insider knowledge as well. Bobby, thanks again for your time. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, let's catch up uh, closer to the season
0: absolutely would love to love to come on this was really fun thank you so much
1: amazing talk there with bobby breaking everything down um good chat with him and just to clarify you know that's these numbers in terms of uh franchise uh or franchise tags and cap space and all this stuff um we were using two different sources on there he was using spot track i had over the cap not sure if spot track had um um Chris Godwin updated in terms of the Buccaneers uh final number I still see that uh, they're over the cap at 16 million he had a, them at 2 so not too sure there but um that's what happens it happens you, you know you're using two different websites and and they're off even a little bit in terms of uh their numbers they don't have all the nitty-gritty and all those details in terms of the financials and and the contracts of of these players but they do a darn darn great great job and it's a great reference and tool if you're ever looking on there, it's overthecap.com or spot track, and they've got all of uh, the NFL, NHL, NBA salary cap situations. So they do an amazing job and a, a great reference tool for, for any sports fan. But uh, we're going to send it off the break. Folks, make sure you're following us along for our weekly golf picks, all the news that we've got going on. I mentioned a contest that we have coming up. We're going to be giving away some free tickets to an upcoming local sporting event. Uh, coming up here at the end of the month so stay tuned for that uh for that contest as well and we'll catch you on the flip side dutch dutch help me out here can you get the car door there for me yeah yeah man hold on a minute uh, i got some breakfast here man it's breakfast the champion try this
2: what the hell is that buddy that is way too greasy if you spill it all over my car so
1: help me keep your greasy paws off it and just keep it off my stuff Dutch, Dutch, I'm suspecting a little bit of hostility here. You know, hostility is a sign of immaturity. Yeah, suck it, immaturity. Just keep your greasy paws off my stuff, God damn it.
0: If Ginger ever learns to be properly, you'll be listening to our podcast, where Starsky and Hutch are no longer, and it's now Ginger and Dutch.
1: All right, listeners,
0: welcome back
1: from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from Triple G. We're going to flip over from the NFL into our golf portion here on the podcast. And uh, a rare scenario here, we've got Stefan Tiedorf that's going to join us. Unbelievable. Same name, same spelling. Stefan, welcome to the show. Come on in, my friend.
2: Thanks, man. I, I was hoping we could talk some NFL. My Broncos made a, a splash and a half today, but we can talk golf, whatever you want.
1: No, 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 no. I didn't. I knew you mentioned to me off air there that you were uh, you're willing to talk a little NFL, and I hadn't found out you were a Broncos fan till now. So you know what? Let's take a couple minutes and get into it. Uh, what do you think?
2: I I mean I love the move. I I felt the Broncos last year watching them. They were so frustrating because. They, you could see all they needed was a quarterback. That's right. You know, you have Drew Locke has not done anything since he's been drafted. I mean, their drafting of quarterbacks for a while has been bad. I, I believe Paxton Lynch was a third stringer in the CFL this year, if I'm not mistaken. And that was like a first. When was he a first rounder? Like five years ago, and that he was the yep. future after Peyton. Man- so it's nice to uh it's nice to have that like i mean superstar can can you still call russ a superstar
1: i think you can i think he can you know what the last couple years he's kind of been buried up there in seattle in terms of you know what what they surrounded him with and you know cap wise they they hadn't they weren't ahead of the game cap wise to to structure the deal so you know the talent around the roster really kind of fell off and was depleted but to me he's still a superstar and and here, listen, we had Bobby Thompson on, uh, you know, before you here, uh, before break, and and we talked about it. And the way I look at it is exactly what you said. You could see this roster's ready to win now. They've got the weapons around them, weapons there in terms of Hamler and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Um, Throw Tim defense. Patrick
2: in there, Javante Williams. Right. Like That's they right. got, they got guys.
1: Right, the defense is strong. You know, underrated. They got some great corners. It's time to win now. So to me, okay, yeah, did you overpay a little bit? Yeah, you you probably did for a 34-year-old Russ. But this is what I said to Bobby, and I said it to to my friends off air. What are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and lose for the next five to ten years behind Patrick Mahomes, and when he's done winning, then it's going to be Justin Herbert's turn? Like, are you going to sit there and just lose behind them and draft quarterback after quarterback and bring in these stops plugs and try to build the roster around you or are you going to take a swing and give yourself a fighter's chance and go get russell wilson you've got him for probably you know i know he's on on the under contract this year and next but you can always re-sign him to a two three-year deal let him play till he's 38 39 and at least you've got a fighter's chance up against these big name quarterbacks in the division
2: yeah i agree i think the what i'm watching now is what las vegas does because what's the point of having Derek carr in that division now that's right. So, That's right. I know you didn't bring me on to talk football. You got actual football analysts, so we can talk some golf. But I just wanted to look out for the Broncos this year. Yeah, get get your get your future better. bets in now. <laughs>
1: Good stuff, my friend. Let's uh, let's come back to home and, and let's start off with uh, with Brooke Henderson. I, I've I've pounded the table for Brooke, and you know I've I've talked to to some of the other guys. I've talked in this podcast about you know her being able to push over the top here and we we come out here in 2022 and it's it's not the same old brook like she she the finishes are great you know two inside the top 10 a couple just outside the top 10 with some t11s and stuff but you know what do you see in her that is not allowing her to push over the top like a like a jin young ko who's won six champ six times in 10 events and has has 30 straight rounds under par like is there something that that I'm missing here? Is it the putter, or is, what? Do you, what are your thoughts on Brook?
2: So I, I have a couple of different thoughts. I mean, Brooks going to give you a top ten every single week. If you want to make money, just throw Brook top ten odds down somewhere. Find a book that gives you the best one. You're going to make money. Um, I I think what people don't fully understand with Brook is is there's there's a human behind Brooke Henderson. And if anybody's met this family, they're easily the nicest family you could meet. Um, and, you know, you put Brooke in front of a mic and she nails it, but she's still like a, a human and a young woman at that. Um, I know for a fact that the the pandemic took a big toll on her. She's recently kind of lightly brushed it in a, in a recent comment. I know Bob Weeks had it uh, a story on TSM basically being like, I didn't really want to travel that much, right? Like I I was only traveling as close to home. Like this recent flight she took to uh, Singapore, I believe is where they just played um, was like the longest flight she's taken since obviously pre pandemic. I think it took a major toll on her uh, mentally uh, family in Canada, living in Florida, you know how Florida was right. Like I wouldn't say it was the safest place of pandemic, but you know, you can argue that either way. I think it, I just think it took a bigger toll now, either way, like Brooke had, a decent year uh in 2021 she picked up a win last year uh, came kind of at the end of the year when the world kind of felt a little bit more normal but this is a i think it's a solid start for her this year with as you highlighted two sixes a second uh a t11 and and it, what it's really going to come down to is figuring out that putter um but the issue i'm kind of forecasting for the future that i'm worried about is is what is this driver uh new talk, yeah, yeah this new rule with the driver only going to 46 inches how will that affect her she kills it in the on distance i think she's in the you know top 10 top 20 on distance on tour um accuracy's never been her number one thing um will this actually make her more accurate but lose a little distance i don't know but uh the putter still is what's what's been killing her for uh, the last couple of years is
1: it a successful year if Brooke doesn't win a major? Uh,
2: I mean, I I think that's at this point, it's it's hard with Brooke. Like, she is the best Canadian golfer of all time, right? Like, no I, doubt. I saw this thing the other day where it was like best Canadian athletes of all time and Mike Weir was on it, and Brooke wasn't on it. And I think that's more of a like, you know mike's 50 now we went through his whole career and and we don't know what brooke's fully gonna be it's like you gotta have brooke there if you're gonna have mike there so i think that's her main goal obviously is is to pick up another major i think she needs to pick up a couple more um but she's still only 24 right like i think people don't kind of forget how young she is because when did she start playing on the tour when she was 16 yeah
1: 16 17 yeah (laughs) it was something crazy i looked at that the other day i'm like oh my god she's been out there that long
2: and and if you meet her she still is so young right she's like very young and i think the problem with the with the uh, lpga right now is the the nelly cordas the Jin Young co's up there that are like at a whole other level that you're trying to compare Brooke to her and it's like it's like trying to compare David Duvall to Tiger Woods in his prime right it's it you know he was there he was competitive week in week out but you know, David was never Tiger Woods during that time. So um, I don't know. I think she she's probably set up for a major. I think it's going to be really exciting when uh, when we get to the Hunt Club this year uh, for the Canadian Open again and, and they get back to that. So I think it's a big year for Brooke. It started great. I would not be surprised if she picks up a couple wins and now that she's a little bit more comfortable. But I also wouldn't be surprised if this driver change really actually hurts her a little bit. I'm sure she's preparing, you know, like she does and, and everything will be great but I, I, at the end of the day, I still think the thing that's holding her back is that putter. And um, if the LPGA could get a little bit better stats, we would be able to really break that down. I don't love the stats they have of like, you know, putts per gur or putting average. I don't love those stats compared to like shots gained, but uh, over the next little while we should see better stats like that. And then that will really help us see where she really needs to improve.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. And, and, you know, they're taking steps with, you know, the purses going up and like you said, some of the some of the things to get on par or at least, you know, improving in terms of up towards the men and, and that. So it'll, it'll be nice to see and hopefully that continues uh, moving forward for for the ladies the LPGA tour and and the uh the tours below that for the ladies as well.
2: I agree quickly on that. Um I I saw that last week uh she made $50,000 for finishing 6th. I believe that is like 45th this week. Uh actually it's 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 in the 60s this week for you on uh the players championship for the yeah. guys. So uh that just shows how how much further we could go with the ladies game but uh we yeah. don't need to get into that right now.
1: Yeah, 20 million million dollar purse 3.6 million for first yeah must be nice eh?
2: must be nice to be a caddy making the cut this week you are just you are happy that's that's for sure (laughs) yeah
1: no doubt um to the puerto rico open last week what a story ryan brem uh you know wins on his you know i think it was his mom had passed away about almost a year ago maybe even to the date i'm not sure exactly but i know it was was close to that he's on his last medical exempt. he's got his wife on the bag um what a great story. And and that's is that not what golf's all about? You know, providing great stories. If you haven't had the opportunity, folks, go check out this story. Uh Ryan Brem now he's he's in on the players. He's he's in at uh the century next year in terms of the victory. Um just a great story. What are your thoughts on that, Stefan?
2: Yeah, so This is obviously like, if you asked me who Ryan Brem was prior to Thursday, uh, I wouldn't have known unless uh, my guy, Ryan French with uh, a case of the golf one Monday Q info on Twitter, uh, had a tweet about him at some point, but basically this guy had a start um, earlier this year or last year, I forget which one it was. Um, and, he, and he got COVID and they obviously gave him, it was the Zurich last year and they allowed him to, you know, play one tournament to make up for that. And he took advantage of it in a huge way in Puerto Rico. Um, I think uh, the craziest thing is that he needed to finish. I think it was first or second to, uh, you know, keep his status his very limited status. He has on the PGA tour and, um, um, a second would have been very limited now this first is just huge where you know he's in the players this week right? yeah <laughs> like this and, wild yeah and like i wonder if his wife's gonna be on the bag i think you gotta give her another shot right at the players um, gotta keep rolling you right? got don't him.
1: Change, don't change it
2: the lights are bright uh, i think this is a huge for a guy that's 35 um not even just for like hey he's got status for two years but like the retirement that comes into this This guy is a journeyman golfer, right? Like his career earnings on the PGA tour, um, I believe was maybe a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's not a lot for a guy that like is, is bouncing around. Uh, he made, you know, seven hundred thousand dollars on the corn fairy tour and he he bounced around in canada at one point just burning money uh don't even read how much money he made there because it's all out the out as quick as it comes in so um this is huge for a guy that's you know journeyman 35 now is a winner on the pga tour gonna get in some very big events uh going forward i believe this will also get him into the pga championship um so life-changing is is the easiest way to do it. And that's the best part about the alternate tour, the alternate events. We're going to get into Bay Hill at some point, but like, I would have loved to watch this because there were so many storylines coming down uh, Sunday and they did show a little bit of it on TV on the golf channel. Um, but like life changing stuff happens in these off weeks and that field was ugly from the start. Uh, but in the end, it ended up coming up with a great story. And that's uh that's why we have these uh, alternate, uh, alternate events happening on the pga tour
1: yeah and you know what i said it even uh, last week uh for or two weeks ago at the the honda in that 16 for one playoff like those are the types of that's the type of stuff that we've got to in, in in golf cover and we've got to get more coverage on those types of things because those are the guys that guys and girls that are grinding for for every last penny they're grinding for their livelihoods and and that's to me, what, what the game is truly all about. It's not about, you know, the three point million dollar first place prize this week at Sawgrass. Um, you know, the big boys are going to get their money in this whole Pip and Tiger and Phil winning. Like they don't, they don't need any more money. Like let's, let's well, Phil might, Phil might need money. yeah, 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 you're right. Those sponsors left them pretty quickly. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, uh that was that was a whole other thing with Phil. Uh I don't we don't need to get into Phil. I'm sure you covered it over the last, last couple of weeks. But uh, I love what you're talking about with the Monday stuff. And I already re- mentioned my buddy Ryan French with, with Fire Pit Collective and, and they're actually doing a bunch of stuff with, with video content and they're following a player that's going to every single Monday this week and basically building a little documentary on it. Um uh, my a good buddy of mine, Mark Baldwin, uh trying to Monday every single week and, and they got a video crew and everything. So, those are the stories. I agree that we want to tell. I think everybody thinks uh, pro golf life is glamorous at yeah. all times, but uh, it's not. But at the end of the day, you know, you know what you knew what you signed up for. So, uh, awesome to see Ryan Brem, a guy that you know at thirty five, when you've only made two million dollars in golf that seems like for guys like oh that's a lot of money it's really not considering he's probably spending seventy thousand dollars a year to try to make it work um so when i say life-changing money this is life-changing this guy actually will be able to retire one day um now with uh, the pga tours uh, retirement program um so i'm uh, really happy for him but i agree we need more stories like this yeah
1: for sure to the florida swing um you know we we heard about you know, the hot, well, we, we seen with the Honda with, you know, not having a top 10 player in the field and the field being a little bit weaker. And, and then we turn to, to Bay Hill and, and we hear some of the comments, not, not all, but we hear Rory, uh, you know, bitching and moaning for the lack of a better term about the golf course and the golf course setup. Do you feel that if, if Bay Hill continues to go down this road of, of um, pretty much a major championship setup that they had over the course of the weekend, that they're gonna lose some of these guys in terms of the schedule because you know the Hondas, PJ. We all know how tough the Bear Trap and PJ National is. Then we get the setup like that at Bay Hill, and if that continues, do you think guys will just skip it and continue to? You know, I talked about how good the field was at the the Monday uh, member guest at Seminole. You know, with Cantley and Rom and all the all these guys, and and the court and Nelly Corda was there as well. Nancy Lopez, and you know the field at, at Seminole was better than the field in the Honda. Um, <laughs> do you think that the Florida swings on a little bit of a slippery slope in terms of golf courses and in the, the setup?
2: I I think I think the Honda will never get there again. Uh, it's it's one where yeah, it's one hundred percent. Just it's it's not it's a confidence killer. Yeah. Oh, there. Um, you know, there has to be some sort of incentive to go there. And I, I really don't see guys going there like that often anymore. um, I don't think, uh, you know, I know you said he was bitching and moaning, and I think the way it when it happened is is your comment is completely fair. But if you if you kind of zoom out and the fact he said it the next day, uh, I believe he said it again on Tuesday as we as we record this podcast. Um, same type of thing. I think he is right. You want when you're going to the players when you have the biggest purse in golf each year, a course that the top guys all really can compete on. It doesn't, you know, it's not a course that doesn't favor any of them um you want to go in with as much confidence as possible right it's it's one of those tournaments that like cements a legacy and and rory said i believe he's like i just need to go home take tomorrow off and kind of forget about this i know i'm paraphrasing right you don't want that going into if it's the fifth major the fifth major and i know why it happened with with uh bay hill like arnie always wanted a u.s open at bay hill he never got one Right. But when you watched on Sunday, there were shots that guys are getting punished for that they didn't you know, they didn't hit a bad shot and and whether you like Billy Horschel or not, whether you're happy with how slow he plays, you know, uh, just a quick jab there. Uh. <laughs> um, um, he, he actually, of all those guys I felt, you know, got the most unlucky. And when luck comes into it, when you're hitting great shots uh, and they're just rolling over the green and through the, and now you're in the rough and you got a chip and it's like, I, I'm hoping to make par when I should have had a pretty easy birdie putt. Like, that's just going to kill guys. And what I, I just don't get what, what made it change this year, right? If you look at the average scores over the last, you know, couple years, years uh, outside of Terrell Hatton's win a couple years ago, That's um, right. it's, it's all in the double digits. It even got like, you know, when Matt every was winning, which is, it's insane to me, this guy won back to back years on at Bay Hill, but we don't need to get into that either. But like, we're talking, you know, 19 under 13 100. under 18. Yeah. Under, right. And it's like, and it's not like there's big gaps. The last time a guy won uh, by more than three strokes was tiger back in 2012 so it's like i just don't get why now right and if we want arnie to still be that super big place in the game you know on the mount rushmore of golf like we don't want guys coming to his tournament and this is the story that comes out of it that they hate going to the tournament we want guys going talking about arnie keeping his legacy alive it just it seemed like they decided to turn a switch this year and i I, i'm just not sure why that is and it might hurt them for next year and now are they gonna have to go all the way over to the other side to bring these guys back in the year after or is just having the name arnold palmer tied to it enough for these guys to keep going and i'm not sure it is for a lot of these young guys that literally were infants when he was still you know able to be met on the pga tour you know you think of a guy like joachim neiman never would have met Palmer, right? right. Like, I I understand there might be some legacy, but it's it's told legacy that rather than something he's felt. So um, I don't know. I think it's I don't know if at the end if if they're happy with it or not like if I'm the tournament director am I happy with the result or what I gave out I don't know it was entertaining come Sunday right it brought you right until the end but you know how happy is a guy like Gary Woodland right now uh, at the end of the day I know Scotty Scheffler's happy that's for sure and Ted Scott's happy but uh, yeah Uh, it's just I don't know that's where it's a weird answer I'm not giving you something great about it it's just like I wouldn't know how to feel if I was the tournament director uh, come Monday looking uh towards next year
1: yeah and you, and you look at arnie's legacy you know arnie was was an aggressive player he was a go for broke he was a you know i'm gonna take on the shots and i'm gonna go ahead and, and hit hit the, sh- the shots that are that are called upon uh, at big moments and that golf course didn't set up that way for these guys it didn't it, it, it challenged them but it challenged them in a penal way where they they had to play defensive and they had to you know pitch out on the 16th hole like scotty scheffler did and and get up and down for for par from 80 yards and yeah that that's nice but but like you said that's what you see in a u.s open Mm -hmm. you know i want to see that rough an inch and a half lower and you know what if if scheffler doesn't pull the shot off and and the club just does tweak a little bit he hits it in the water on 16 on on the third shot he didn't even have that choice he didn't even he didn't even have that opportunity to be able to take on that, that feast or famine shot or that go for broke shot. It, that that opportunity was taken away from him by having three and a half, four-inch rough that was thick and nasty around Bay Hill all week long. Um, and it was set up like a U.S. Open. I just don't think it was set up in the mind or in the in the way that Arnold Palmer played the game. Does that make sense?
2: I uh, No, I agree with you 100%. And what you're saying from like what you feel is actually accurate. And I know we're comparing... 2022 to the 1970s with Arnold Palmer. But if you look at his last kind of five, six, seven wins, whatever it is, like, I see some, like, minus 25s in here. I see some minus 18s. The last time he won that tournament, which used to be called the Florida Citrus Invitational, kind of cool name, kind of wish they brought that back. Um, He won it at minus 18, right? Like, yep. I don't know. It, it's it's I you I think you're on to something. Like would Arnold actually be happy with this? I don't know. I think he actually would have been annoyed that some guys were getting unlucky. Um so um at the end of the day, it was entertaining. Scotty Scheffler's happy, he's picked up another win, but um I, I I'm curious. I think Rory's right. It's gonna be interesting to see what next year's uh, field looks like.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and the confidence, you know, confidence breaker is is huge you know guys like troy Merritt, you know shooting 87 on sunday just just not good for for anything moving into the players and a great a great segue into the players and you know we know the golf course tpc sawgrass we know what uh, what it's all about what does it take to win on this golf course like you know i find that it, it other than the, the craig perks of the world it, it is uh you know that that trophy and the, and the names of the winners you know, there's some big name winners on there, and and why is that, and what does it take to win around here?
2: I think it's it's the lights, right? And I know there isn't actually the lights yep. there because it is I know what you mean. Yep. it it is that tournament for a lot of these guys where it's as big as big can be, right? The purse gets there. You a lot of guys. Um, Actually, I was, I've been listening to this podcast. You should check it out. It's about... Uh, its I forget the actual... It's called Chasing Majors. It's with uh, Stevie Williams and uh, this Australian dude. And it's all about Tigers. Every major he won, right? And one of the cool stories that comes out of that, he said after every single tournament Tiger played in and he won, he never once looked at that sheet they have uh, in the room when you're signing the card of how much each guy's winning, right? And I think... A lot of guys get to the players and they look at that sheet probably before they even tee off. And that's probably in their head. So the guys that have the best mental games pick up wins here. And you're hundred percent, right? There's very rare guys on this list that you're like, Oh, that guy doesn't belong there. I love the, the call out of Craig perks. That's <laughs> just, like just so unfortunate for that guy. Just like unnecessary ricochet. He's just started sitting there and is in his house just wondering what he deserved for that but i think it's fair <laughs> you look at a lot of these other guys and i know for some other guys that would hear this you hear a name like tim clark for example right they would be like who the heck's tim clark tim clark was up there for a long time up in, yeah up until that putter ban um where he like i he has this argument that he literally cannot putt because of a, a wrist uh disability right like up until then, this guy was in every tournament. So I agree with you. I think uh, the lights uh, come into play a, a lot. And, and I think it's that final stretch of, like, you got to have your nerves ready for that final stretch. Because 16, 17, and 18, I th- even 15. 15. I saw like, a
1: picture on, on 15 today, and that shoot just every year seems to get tighter and tighter and
2: tighter. Yeah, I think it was No Laying Up that posted that was today. It? Yeah. And I yeah. was just like, wow. Wow so um it, it is becoming a big boys course a little bit more um you know like you see a guy like matt kuchar probably the last you know average length ball striker to win out there um but you know i, th- I think it's uh at the end of the day if you if you're on you're on and uh, i love the course i think it's a it's one of those courses that i think you would pay the money to play just because every hole kind of seems fun Right. Like even from, from the first hole, like every hole is a little bit different. And then that final stretch is, uh, is just, I mean, it's grueling, but it's, it's possible to score. And, you know, I still think of Justin Thomas's that drive he hit on 18, that little like duck hook on purpose that he hit right to pull that in crunch time is, uh, you know, it's gotta, you, you gotta find some sort of nerves to pull that off. So, um, and then at that point, too, is where all the fans gather. You hear 17, probably from 14. So um, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be a great week, and it's it's just one of those weeks that you know the big names are going to be right there at the end.
1: Yeah, for sure. anybody uh, Anybody that you've got your eye on? Anybody you're going to place a, a few bucks down on?
2: Um, so I was looking at like the odds this week and, and yep. anytime you get DJ and Brooks in odds that are above, you know, 20 to one or you you got to take them. And, and Brooks, again, the last time I remember this guy being 50 to one uh, was when he won uh, the waste management, uh, not this year, the year prior. And he was 50 to one to start the week. 41 to one, or something like that. Like, I know these guys have had quiet starts, but you can't sleep on these two. Um, DJ never really had too much great success there. And Brooks's kind of best finish, I believe, is like a T11. Um, so nothing like crazy, but you know, if we're calling it the fifth major and Brooks shows up at the big tournaments, I wouldn't be surprised to see Brooks in there. Haven't really seen much of DJ recently. Uh, but again, right, like we didn't see that a couple of years ago. And what do you go on to win like four or five tournaments in a year? That's like right. DJ, you, you just don't count that guy out. But uh I think John Rahm um, is a guy, and it, what a hot take for me to say the best player in the world is, is a guy to watch out for. But um I, I like you you're talking about Rory's comments, right? And him kind of, you know, bitching and moaning, where John Rahm kind of had the opposite. That's like I liked last week it was hard. It was, it was fun, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. His his classic comments. Right. So last week didn't get to him. And I think he probably took last week as a way of like, I'm just going to prepare, go through my rhythm, just get into it. What happens happens last year. He finished T ninth at this tournament. Um, People are talking John Rahm up big. I don't know if you've uh, listened to the interview with Pat Perez uh, with uh, Colt Nost there, yep. and, and really talking up John Rahm. And I think he needs to get a players. He needs to get another major to kind of get into that conversation. I feel like we're we're over talking about John Rahm for a guy with only one major. But if this guy picks up a players and another major this year, would you really be shocked?
1: Nope, not at all. Not at all.
2: So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where my, my head is at uh, this week is, is watch for those big names. Um, anyone for you kind of sticking out that maybe isn't as high up there? Like, what do you think Ryan Brems going to shoot this week? <laughs> <laughs> I want I
1: want to be nice, but hey, maybe maybe he keeps it going. Maybe he keeps it going. We do. uh We do. We actually do our picks each week on uh, on this one. And, and I'll uh, you know what? I'll, I might as well do it here with you we usually do a, a big gun we call it a big gun a lock uh lock top 10 of the week and then kind of a a long shot and we we pick somebody that's 100 100 plus or more to uh to one to to win it so All i right. went, i went with uh with a value pick you know uh 2020 he was T7 2021 he was T9 he was fourth at the Honda he blew it on sunday but I, at 30 to 1 i'll take burger
2: Okay. Daniel Berger. Okay. Yeah. I I think he's a, he's a guy um, that I think so undervalued. Like we forget how great of a year he had in the last kind of 18 months. I think it's a great pick. And
1: then I'm sticking uh, close to home. He's, he's getting his game back. He was T11 at the, uh, the API. He's been seventh place the last two years in this event, 55 to one. I'll put, a, I'll put it even down on a, on a top 10 again for him. I'm taking Corey Connors.
2: Yeah, Corey's uh, ball striking was great last week. Again, another guy I thought got a little unlucky. Not that we would have known because uh, apparently when you're in fourth place, uh, you don't get to go on TV if you're Canadian. So we didn't really <laughs> see right. any shots from Corey Connors last week. But Corey is one hot putter away from, from – picking up a huge win like this. I think he's due for another win. I, I love a, a Corey Connors top 10. I love that pick.
1: Yep. And then my, my long shot, I threw Willie's Zalatoris in just as a, an extra pick. We usually only make three, but at 50 to one, I think he's like you said, the ball striking is there for, a, for a golf course like this. Um, if he can get the putter going uh, inside the, on that, the short range putts, I think he'll be there. And then my long shot, a buck 50 to one. And you know what? He's playing good golf this year t eleventh at the API, uh, 40th at the Genesis, uh, T-12 at the Sony. And he's always around at this event, T-16 in 2019, T-35 in 2020, and then T-29 last year, 150 to 1. I'll take Keegan Bradley.
2: Yeah, I figured that's where you were going. Do you remember the good old days when Keegan Bradley and Jason Duffner and Jason Day (laughs) were the faces of golf for a little bit? Yep, I (laughs) do remember that the fun yeah. times. Uh, I, I, one of the biggest shocks for me looking at the odds last year. Um, and I know it's not, a, a course for him, but Brian Harmon's currently one twenty six to one to win this tournament somehow. Wow. Um, so, you know, I'm not, he's not a guy I know, you know, fellow bald brother. We run into each other at the bald meetings that we have yearly, but, uh, <laughs> I just, I don't see it necessarily happening again, but, uh, You know, Brian Harmon just this this kind of grinder out there that he could be right back there at the end of uh, at the end of the week. Um, But, yeah, I just think those are odds, odd odds, considering he was right in the mix uh, right until Sunday.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I actually like that pick as well for even for even just for a top 10 to get some some good value. I, I totally like that pick.
2: Here's my last question for you. How is Jimmy Walker in this tournament?
1: jimmy walker's in this
2: tournament well he's got odds so maybe he's he must be like maybe the fifth uh maybe he's like the fifth uh, alternate or something but apparently he's got odds somehow so um that one's odd to me i don't know how he's yeah. in there
1: i have no idea how he would qualify
2: for this event i have no idea either love your yeah. i love your picks this week um the only other one i wanted to highlight i, I saw it here I just got to find it again um Lonto Griffin seems a little high at that 150 as well. I do think yep. the the lights might get there uh, on him, um, and and watch out for Louis Stason. Um, this is a guy that's been quiet this year. Um, I don't have my his results in this uh, in this tournament in front of me, but 56 to one for Louis. Uh, I th- I think Louis that's great
1: value great value for an event. He shows up in the big events.
2: He's due for another big one. Um, If it's not here, like the odds must be pretty good for a future bet for him at St. Andrews, uh, for the 150th open. Um, so just, uh, maybe I'll throw that out there for the listeners as well.
1: I love it. Stefan, that was absolutely amazing. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on. I'm, I'm so happy that I took you up on, uh, on your Twitter offer there for, uh, Open podcast invites for this week, and uh, thanks again. Let our listeners know where we can find you.
2: Yeah, you can find me on on Twitter at Steedorf. Uh, for now, that's it. I'm thinking of starting a some other stuff up shortly, maybe a couple podcasts that I'm kind of working, you know, after T uh, tea talk with flagstick.com uh, came to an end recently, uh, which we had going for three years. So you can go back and check out all those old episodes, but for now, find me on Twitter and uh, look out for anything coming up in the future, but I really appreciate Stefan coming on anytime a guy named Stefan asked me to do anything. I usually say yes. So I uh, really appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah. I appreciate it. And uh, maybe we'll catch up uh, later on in the, uh, the PGA tour season, the LPGA season around a major or something. And we can, uh, we can chat further.
2: Sounds good to me.
1: Great chat with Stefan Seedorf. What a great way to end off the episode. Not too much else to say. Thanks to both of our guests for coming on. Bobby Thompson and Stefan Seedorf for their time tonight on this podcast, breaking down a free agent preview, everything that happened in the NFL today, the world of golf from Brooke Henderson and uh, the PGA tour, Florida swing and what's going to happen here at a huge the fifth major players championship this week at uh, TPC Sawgrass folks if you haven't already like share subscribe Um, give us a review on apple podcast as well do whatever you can to uh, spread the love to the triple g family hope you enjoyed a great international women's day for all the female listeners out there thank you very much for being you being courageous and brave And we'll catch you next week with Derek Ingram.